This is the Frogcast. Jeff Mitchell here with Jeremy, Jeremiah, and Daniel, as always. We are less than two weeks away from the Frogs kicking off at home to begin the 2017 season. We're going to talk about practice reports. We're going to talk about concerns that are kind of left over from last season. Recruiting, as always, is a hot topic on the show. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, if you followed TCU football for any amount of time you know that practice reports with coach patterson um you kind of have to have a degree in hieroglyphics to understand exactly what he's trying to get at sometimes he's clear as can be sometimes he's talking through the media to the talking through the media to a player and sometimes that classic line will come out if i tell you i'm telling jackson state well the good news is we got guys on the ground that are there that have followed coach patterson for years and can give us the best insight as well as some stuff off the record that might leak onto this podcast jeremy you've been out there at our practices Tell us a little bit, what are the storylines coming out of the August camp, and what are some things that our listeners would want to know about? Well, I mean, I went out to one practice. That's the only one that's really been open. So all the other times have been just kind of meet and greet Coach P after certain practices. But what I can say about the team is, man, they look really, really athletic. I know we say that every year, but, man, it just seems like every year with these new crop of recruits that are getting on campus, it just the, the athleticism is just I mean, it's outrageous what they look like now. Even Coach Patterson and some of the other coaches talk about uh, the way they look athletically. The, the defensive tackles are big. You get, look at the safeties, they're big. Receivers are big. Every position basically on the field, you've got a lot of size and athleticism. Linebacker, just up and down the field. But uh, that's one of the things you, you look at as far as the recruiting into the Big 12 era goes. Each year they've just gotten bigger and bigger. And that's what they wanted to do when they got in Big 12. Coach P said that's one of the things they have to do as an offensive line, as a defensive line, get bigger, uh, have those 300-pound defensive tackles that can make some plays, and they got it with Corey Bethley and George Ellis. And uh, If you look at the the biggest question marks as far as the, the new class of guys, the 2017 guys, everyone wants to know what the newcomers are looking like. Jalen Rager, Corey Bethley, uh, Kendrick Van Zant, Garrett Wallow, uh, Kerry Johnson's making a move. Dennis Collins, those guys are already, you know, I don't know if I mentioned Jalen Rager already, but I mean, those those guys are already making a big impact. You have some big questions at defensive end that are kind of starting to get a little bit of answers to now. Um, strong safety's getting a little bit of an answer to now. So it's starting to come together uh, after three weeks. And, you know, we're only two weeks away, boys. It's getting exciting. Yes, it is. It is getting exciting. I love to hear that that, that first, that new group of freshmen that are on campus are already making an input are making making an impact and guys climbing up the roster it just does not surprise me in the least i'm glad to see that from jalen rager i'm not surprised with garrett wallow i thought he was one of the underrated recruits of this last class that guy plays like he's got his hair on fire i can't wait to see him go light somebody up out there at amy carter you know of course the number there's two concerns that many of us have going into this season and they're kind of dragovers from last year First of all, address what you know about the kicker situation. This is one of those that seems like the story changes with every tweet from Carlos. What what is the up, what's the latest info you've got on the depth chart as well as the quality of the kickers this year? I mean, whatever I say today is probably going to be different tomorrow. I mean, they didn't go they didn't go through practice today. I, I don't really know who did well at the scrimmage on Saturday, but I mean, he, 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 those three guys are. Uh, Jonathan Song, Brandon Ritchie, and Cole Bunch uh, that are all competing for the job. And, and all three of those guys have been named a starter at some point during uh, post-practice interviews with Coach Patterson. Uh, the, the thing about it is with Brandon, he didn't kick last year, so he's kind of behind the curve with as far as the uh, routine of going through camps and uh, kicking all summer. So he got kind of tired for the first two weeks, and they had to really put him on the shelf just to – give him some rest, but he's got the ability to go in there and compete. He's obviously made a good impression on Coach Patterson and all the other coaches for him to at least been named a starter for a couple of days. Uh, Cole Bonts, he's kind of come out of nowhere. He's uh, got a pretty accurate leg, pretty strong leg. Coach Patterson said the other day that he made a field goal that the others, other kickers on the roster couldn't make, and 
That's what they're looking for. I asked him straight up, what are you looking for in a kicker? And he says, all I'm looking for is consistency. I want to, I want the guy that's going to go out there and make the kicks when we need them the most. And that's refreshing as, uh, you know, most TCU fans will talk about a couple of those games last year on the schedule that were lost by the kicker. I mean, if you look at it against Arkansas, that was that was a, a tough game. A missed field goal is probably the difference. It's, it is the difference in that game. But it's uh, it's probably not going to be answered till that first week. I think when they have the, uh, the week of the Jackson State game, you'll see the death chart released. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a starting kicker, and it's going to say or right after it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a safe bet. <laughs> that's a safe bet. It's going to probably be like that for a couple position guys. I mean, just just get ready, TCU fans. There's there's probably going to be, I would say, maybe two or three positions that are going to have a lot of oars behind them. One of the other positions that obviously we have a lot of interest in, not just for 2017 but beyond, Sean Robinson on campus. He was an early enrollee. Kenny Hill, obviously, is coming back for his senior year. Grayson Mulestein is, of course, on campus and is a quality guy and trying to find a way onto the field. Tell us a little bit about how all of that is shaken out and where you see the lineup landing for for the Jackson State game. Everyone I've talked to said Kenny is looking a lot better than what he was last year. How's that going to translate to the field on Saturdays? We don't know yet. I mean, Jackson State's not a, a real heavy competitor. We probably won't know anything until Arkansas, but – from everyone I've talked with, and including Coach Patterson after some of those practices, they've all said Kenny looks much better. Uh, how does he look better? Well, he's not making as many mistakes as he was last year during these practices. There's a lot of guys telling me uh, mentally he's making a lot better decisions. He's not trying to force the football. And up For about the first two weeks, he only threw two interceptions from what I was told. And uh, I know that a lot of defensive backs uh, are kind of – watching him and, and, and talking good about him, saying the offense is a lot harder to play uh, against, you know, those those uh, receivers and, and Kenny just making those throws. They're a lot harder to play now than they were last year. And that's refreshing because you want to you want to give Kenny as much chance as you can. Uh, he came in with high expectations and he really didn't live up to him last year. And uh, Coach Patterson keeps saying the same thing with with Kenny. Uh, kind of the same way he did with Trevon Boykin. Just, you know, when everyone was talking bad about him, here I, here Coach Patterson was talking good about Trevon and, and really giving him a chance to go out there and compete and prove people wrong. And I think that's what he's doing with Kenny. And Kenny just really stepped up to, to the challenge because I think Sean has brought it to him. Sean is basically the same kind of quarterback. If no one's noticed, they want an athletic quarterback. Uh, Coach Patterson wants a guy that can – throw the football, and run the football. And I think that's the way it's going to be moving forward. He had so much success with Boykin. Uh, obviously, he, he likes Hill. He wants Hill to run the football more. He loves Sean Robinson. There's, there's no secret about it. Gary Patterson loves Sean Robinson. So when you bring in a guy that can run just as well as Kenny Hill, he can throw just as well as Kenny Hill, all he's got to do is learn, learn the offense and, and get adapted to that, it, it's going to make anyone step up to the challenge. And that's what Kenny's done. It's kind of like when Boykin came in and everyone was – kind of naming Matt Jokel the starter as soon as he transferred from A&M. And there Boykin was like, well, hey, I got something to prove myself. And that's what made him better. That competition is going to make Kenny better, in my opinion. And if not, then you've got a, a young, bright freshman ready to take over the reins. And from what Coach Patterson told us, Kenny's got a lot of distance from Sean, and Sean's got a lot of distance from Grayson. I really don't know what's going on with Grayson. He's been in the system for you know three, four years now, and he's really athletic. A lot of guys – will tell you that Grayson's probably the most athletic quarterback on the roster. He's the fastest, could probably slot over to receiver and play some receiver and be one of the fastest guys at that position. But if you look top you top three quarterbacks they have, I think you can win a lot of games with each of those guys. That's good information. I think we all can agree that the this season is going to rise and fall on those two questions. Can we have a kicker that can win a game for us in a time of need? And do we have a quarterback that knows how to not throw an interception at the worst possible time? Those hey, are the two it, things. Well, you got to remember, too, we've got to have linebacker depth. TCU has got to have linebacker depth. That's that's the main key. Don't don't listen to kick and don't listen to the quarterback. You've got to have depth <laughs> at linebacker. Well, good news. Uh, good sorry. news is Coach Patterson has looked you in the eye and said he's not had depth <laughs> like this in, in a long, long time. In a that's long true. time. Yeah, for those of you that are not active members of the 20, TCU 24-7 board, first of all, you should – be and second this is kind of one of the reoccurring inside joke fights on on the on the message board is who's got depth at quarterback i mean who's got depth at linebacker and all of that just real quick here before we 
transition, Jeremy. Uh, speaking of di- linebacker and speaking of defense, Ty Summers going to defensive end. Give us a little more backstory on that. And what is the depth at defensive end and linebacker quickly? You know, I personally like the move for Ty going to defensive end. I, I know a lot of people are going to call me crazy for that because he's so, so good at linebacker. But he's really athletic. He's got good size. He's 6'2", 240. Uh, anyone that doesn't believe he's 240, just take a couple looks at his pictures and look how big that sucker is. I mean, he, he is big. He's going to give them a nice uh, presence off the edge. And they really are set at linebacker, guys. They've got five guys that really could come in and play that position. I mean, I, I personally haven't seen the depth of linebacker look like it is really since 2008 through 2010 when they had guys like Darrell Washington, Tank Carter, and, and, and those guys that had a lot of depth that ended up going to the NFL. But defensive end is getting better. It's still not where it needs to be. I think uh, Ben's going to have a good year. He's obviously going to start at one side, and Matt Bolson's coming on here lately in the last week. Coach Patterson said he's he started to really shine, and, and I think part of that has to do with Ty being out. And a lot of these guys are hurt right now. They're kind of you know limping around, and, and Coach Patterson reassured the media last Friday that just because they're in red shirts does not mean they're not going to play against Jackson State, but uh, the good thing is with some of those guys not going through practice uh, full speed is you get a chance to see the backups kind of come in and, and get the reps and, and learn the defense or offense better. But in this case, defensive end, you have a chance for Matt Bolson to go out and really start to shine. And, and a guy like LJ Collier slot, uh, slid over from defensive tackle to the outside and is really adding some depth there. So if you look at the defensive end position, I think they've, Truly got three top guys in Ty, Matt, and Ben. And Ben's probably, right now, in my opinion, the guy that is probably getting the most buzz around the position. But then you guys have uh, Michael Epley and LJ Collier that's starting to add depth. And you still have a guy like Gary Overshaw, who's a redshirt freshman, and Dennis Collins as a true freshman is starting to get more reps. And he really, you know, Coach Patterson says this guy wants to play, and he's really showing us that he wants to play. And so if you look at it, a position that was considered pretty weak as far as the numbers go about a week and a half, two weeks ago, is starting to kind of look strong. And experience is still a big, big factor at that position because you don't have a lot of guys with uh, college snaps under their belts except for Ben and Matt uh, at that position. So inexperience is going to be a huge question mark going into the first couple games of the season. It's amazing how much stuff happens in between uh, our podcasts. Of course, we had Isaiah Chambers transfer. He's got some family issues. Wish them nothing but the best. He's a good kid. He transfers to Houston. Ty Summers goes from linebacker to defensive end. Um, You know, we were talking on the board about all the depth issues at at linebacker. You know, what was on my mind was the – the Minnesota game opening night back in 2015 in two days, we had something we we had like our entire depth go away. Sammy Douglas gets a season ending injury on like the third drive of the Minnesota game. And so there goes our starting linebacker. And then Mike freeze goes home and whatever happened to him got on his tractor and Graham and never came home. (laughs) And and we, we lost both those guys in in a 24 hour period. And we basically been running triage at linebacker ever since. And I remember when Patterson's like, uh, Trayvon Howard, go play linebacker. Ty Summers, you're going to go start at linebacker. And so we just run in triage there. And to hear this depth that we have, I think is exciting. That gives me some confidence moving forward at a, at a position that we, we need you to bring. We need you to drop the hammer at in the big 12. And that's, that's been historically a position of strength for Patterson with the four, two, five. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hype it up, but I'm really excited to see what happens this year at linebacker. There's a blast from the past. Mike free. Somebody go find out if he's back on campus. I heard he was joke <laughs> all right looking back last year daniel you and i had uh, uh, lamented and every episode kind of ended with this i guess this kind of sucked this kind of sucked uh you know you hear here what jared what jeremy's kind of painting in terms of the description of where we're going and kind of some new players that are going to bring some new blood and maybe some depth when you look back at what the biggest concerns were coming in to 20 uh, coming out of 2016 do you feel like the key issues that you were concerned about are being addressed with what he's saying or are there still some lingering concerns that you have from last year that we used to complain about in nausea i am pretty confident that uh, the main issues that caused um, most frustration last year should be at least alleviated to some extent Uh, we went over kicking I think uh, you can't do much worse, and it sounds like we've got some good options there. Um, 
and I think another one is um, dropped passes. That uh, sounds like I've heard. I've heard some people say, and maybe they were just trolling that um, they're still dropping a lot of passes. But then I hear about you know Jalen Rager going out there and tearing it up. So I assume he's not dropping passes. Um, the other thing that seemed to me that I never, I don't know, if it was really brought up, but it's something that I saw mentioned somewhere and it had to do basically with team chemistry. And then when I thought about it, I was like, you know, it, that, that sounded like something that I, you know, looking back that made sense. Um, they didn't seem like, like the bowl effort, the effort of the bowl game was pretty sad. And, um, I don't know. There just, it was just something missing. And, um, I've heard a lot about, um, Kenny Hill coming around, but more of as a leader, we've got other players as leaders like John Diars and then the work ethic, uh, and the attitude and intent, um, of the freshman class coming in, I'm, you know, basically we've never seen anything like that. I feel like that's going to come together, um, and, and fix itself. So those were the things that I thought of, uh, when you sent the outline to me today, and um, I'm I'm pretty confident that, of course, you know, if we had a good kicking game last year, we win several more games just right off the bat. We, we drop, uh, you don't drop as many passes, you might win a couple more games. So this, this season has the potential to be uh, pretty good. And um, so I think I think those issues are resolved and um, things will be a lot better. You know, one of the her- heretical statements I think I'll make is, Boykin was amazing. Josh Dotson was amazing. Colby Lissenby was amazing. I think Jaden Obercrome might have been the best of them all, all in terms of pushing us over the line to victory in 2014 and 2015 because, my gosh, did he bail us out so many times all the way down to his last game in the Alma Bowl. So, I'm right there yeah, with you, there's, you there's no there, doubt. There's no substitute for an amazing kicker, and he's the best kicker in the history of the Big 12. So you think yeah. about that. The West joke, Virginia game joke? at 14 – yeah, we joke about it all the time. It's like when he went out there for a 47-yard field goal, it wasn't no. There's no question he was going to make it. And there's a lot of programs ca- across the country that you got a kicker going out there for a 47-yard field goal. You're on your you're on your knees praying that he's going to make it. But Jason, <laughs> especially especially in that Oregon game, like you mentioned, he goes out there and nails it in do- double overtime, and you're just like, oh, he just nails it right down the middle. We're, we're not yeah. worried about it. We'll see you in triple overtime. I mean, that's just him. Big, big, I think that was – I'm in agreement with you. That was the biggest loss, in my opinion. Yeah. I was watching that the Alamo Bowl with my friend, and he, he's, he was an, he's actually an Ohio State fan. And when he went out there to kick that thing in double overtime, I'm like, all right, here we go. We're going to win it in third. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, he's going to drill this thing. It won't even be close. And he just goes out there and splits the upright. So, yeah, there's no substitute. So I think you're right, Daniel. If we get that kicking kind of solved and your comment about the, the you know being able to catch the ball, those are the – the two mechanical and positional pieces that I think need to be resolved. And I, 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 I feel like we've got some progress there, but the third one that you, that you mentioned, you know, any of you three guys that want to add some context to this leadership was an issue. Leadership was an issue. I don't want to put all of this on, on this one throwaway line that maybe we've heard, but there was clearly a conflict in the, in the offensive staff. And I don't know how far that trickles down, but you don't get to hide those things. Kids are smart. 19-year-old kids, they can spot that kind of stuff. So I think with the change of staff at top and with the ability of leaders to step up, like John D'Arch, he had a great interview with him, Jeremiah, by the way, I, th- I feel like some of those issues are going to be resolved. So Yeah, I, I kind of forgot to mention the, the whole staff thing and it trickling down. I was just focusing on the team, but that um, that definitely will, will help, and I'm, very, I'm, I'm happy with the way things turned out. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, that interview with John D'Arch, um, you know, I've got a – I've talked to the guy before, but really got a chance to, you know, I got to talk to him when there was nobody else around for a minute, for a few minutes, actually, and got a really good insight into what kind of makeup this guy has. You know, he uh, he's like a, a, I would almost say like a father figure to some of these younger guys on the team. Um, he's a young guy himself, but he's been at LSU. He's now he's been at TCU. He's had the opportunity to work his way through two different programs. When you just talk to him, you just get the sense that he's a guy that he's got it figured out, you know. And, and I feel comfortable knowing that some of the young guys, he's already taken them under his wing. And, and just listen, I mean, he had me fired up. I was ready to go dig up my old shoulder pads and go go play again. I mean, he, I can see why, guy, I can see why guys would want to play with guys like that. And um, he just, 
he's ready for the season. He was so confident, and uh, he was really, really complimentary about the, the incoming freshman class and uh, really just how hard everybody from top to bottom has worked in the offseason. And that's, why, that's what has me optimistic in, in making the prediction that I made on the board today. Um, and, you know, it's just hearing – I'm not hearing anything about, well, so-and-so looks good, but, you know, maybe they could have done this more. I'm hearing nothing but glowing remarks about how hard everybody worked. I think last year a lot of guys kind of in the offseason took it personal. And I think John Diars is one of the ones that stepped up as a leader. I was, I've heard the name Kyle Hicks, and I've heard Patrick Morris. And, uh, you know, that was just a handful. I, I was told that there are more. There's, a, there's quite a few more guys that have vocally stepped up and really made it a personal thing. And I, I, th- I think we were all watching last year just waiting for somebody to step up and go, this is enough, guys, you know, step up and play TCU football. We never did see it. Um, nothing consistently. And I think – and during the offseason, these guys had a chance to kind of stew on it. And, and it's just a different feel around there right now. And obviously, we'll see what happens when you get into the meat of the schedule. But I think at least going in, you got to feel pretty good about where, where things sit right now. Yeah, the, the 2017 class, like like Jeremiah said, and, and I think Daniel had mentioned it, those guys have come in and really just impressed the heck out of those older players. I can't tell you how much – we've heard from the older players remarking about the 2017 guys. And when you have a group that comes in like that, where those older guys don't have to constantly be big brother and tell them right from wrong and where to put in effort, where to be coachable, those guys already have all that makeup to them. I mean, they, that's a huge thing when players or coaches or any football personnel don't have to put that in those, those players' minds. They come in already with that winning attitude. That helps the team when you're going down the stretch, when you have to rely on those second and third team players or those special team players, for that group to come in and really set the tone to be uh, part of this movement that last year was a was a very huge disappointment. This group's coming in and, and saying, hey, we're here to join this party. We don't want another six and seven season. Here we are here to work and let's all do this thing and let's go out and win a championship. I think that's the, that's the big part of this program right now in, in the direction they're moving. You know, one of the things that I think contributes to that, that that Carlos Mendez actually noted in one of the articles he wrote is, look at some of the programs these guys are coming from. Katy, Waxahachie, DeSoto, Alito. I mean, you just look at who's going to make a deep run in the playoffs every year, and you just assume they're going to they're going to make an impact. We're getting players from programs that know how to win. And so you can get a guy with great ability that comes from a program that doesn't demand a lot from you. But, you know, DeSoto demands everything of you. Katy you know, there's FCS programs that would give anything to have the coach yeah. Katie in their facilities. And so you're getting guys that, that this is the natural next, this is the next natural progression for them to move into a program that has high capacity where they ask a lot of you and you don't feel like you're being insulted. Like, Oh, I'm a four star. I don't need to do that. No, you're starting at the bottom and you want to see the field. You got to work your tail off to move up there. And I think, I think that's might be one of the underrated pieces of our recruiting improvement in in the last several years is you know we are identifying winning programs and great players inside of that and they're able to come with a step up on on other kids that maybe had more talent or maybe were just as talented but they didn't come from that winning culture you don't have to reteach the entirety of the culture when they come from a place like that i don't know if you guys would agree with that but that was one of the things on my mind yeah that, i mean that's actually that's by design i mean uh, patterson has mentioned that in the past that they really you know obviously they want guys that play hard and they want guys to come out and give it their all, but they, they like guys that know how to win. You know, they love two sport athletes, guys that grew up playing multiple sports, but they love guys that come from, a, like you said, a culture of winning and they know how to translate that to the next level. There's no gray area. They come in, they just put, the, put their cleats on, they go to work. And that's what they're looking for. I think you're starting to see the foundation really being built. Um, and it's not just the first team. Now you're talking second, third team. You're seeing that depth that you need to compete year in and year out, and uh, it's it's exciting to see. I mean, it's uh, it like I said, it was by design, and, and and it's been a it's been a great plan by the staff, and then they're starting to execute it. You know, as you were talking about John Diars, one one former player came to my mind, uh, uh, David Porter. You know, wide receiver on the senior on the 2014 team. Now he's on staff at DeSoto. Um, you know, he was not going to set the world on fire in terms of being first team All Big 12. But, man, that guy brought an energy and a focus and a consistency. And you just knew when he was on the field, he was going to do everything that was asked of him and more and bring the most out of everybody else. And so I oh, feel yeah. like DR's really kind of 
stepped into that role. I think he's got ability. I think he's got uh, I think he's got more ability than Porter, who I really was high on. But you bring that ability with that leadership capacity. I think it's going to bring everybody up around him because that's you know not to go all. Uh, I'm a big uh, big fan of John Maxwell. Talks about leadership as influence and influence is growth is not just what you do, but what you lift up, who you lift up around you. I see DR's doing that, and that gives me some confidence for this season. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, let's transition here. Uh, let's talk a little recruiting real quick. Jeremiah, you know, there's a lot of uh, anxiety. Our recruiting, our message board is bipolar when it comes to recruiting. We're either going to have a top three class or we're going to be below SMU. Why don't you restore a little sanity here to grading the 2018 class? Describe who we are up to this point. And, and what are some – give us some recruiting reality of the 2018 class so far for the TCU Horn Frogs. Hold on. I think, hold, on I, hold on. Jeremiah. Put yes. Your, put your purple glasses on now. How do you know I didn't already have them on? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just, making, just making, sure you, making sure you have them on right now. That's right. No, I you – know, Are you going to get chastised? No. I, you know, this, this, is, this is what I see. This is what I see right now. Right now, TCU has the number three class in the Big 12. In 2017, TCU had the number three class in the Big 12. In 2016, TCU had the number three class in the Big 12. So if I told you that three years ago that they were going to do that back-to-back years and you're only behind OU in Texas, um, you're bringing in some talent. Now, I know people want to see more four-stars. I get that. I will take a guy that's got 25 offers from some very good defensive minds and, and good offensive minds around the country over a star ranking. And I know that it's not popular to say when you work for a recruiting site. I get that. But look at the talent they're bringing in. Look at the guys that they're, they're bringing in. Look at the schools that TCU is beating for these guys. You know, Justin Rogers goes without saying. He is an all-world quarterback. Atanza of Vongor, that guy is elite. But look at Anthony McKinney. 6'8", 330-pound offensive tackle. In a class that needs tackles, this is one of the top one or two JUCO offensive tackles in the country. This guy's a monster. Trevon Morig, Woodward, I mean, that guy, he'll, he may end up as a safety, but 6'2", 190 pounds, these are big, physical, athletic kids. It's, it's a different level of recruiting. And I know people want to see him higher ranked, but they're, they're number 22 in the country right now. If you can finish between 15 and 20, 25, um, you're going to win a lot of football games like that. With the coaching that TCU has, if they can continue to put the – together classes like this um three four five in a row it, it, it's going to be impressive what they put on the field but i don't think this is the the peak i think this is really the beginning of what they're going to do um the more they win they have another double digit win season this year or next year they continue to build on that the classes are going to get better and better i still you know i did predict this class was going to be top 15 earlier in the year and I, and I don't know that it's going to reach that number, but I do think it'll be between 15 and 22, like where it sits right now. So if you finish right in there, that, that's plenty of talent to compete for, for conference titles and get into playoff games. And then I'll take this coaching staff against anybody in the country. I want to mention, too, that when you when you recruit those high-rated high players, you're, you're obviously going to have some bragging rights. It's like Jeremiah said, no one's going to argue with Justin Rogers or Anthony McKinney and those guys. Those guys are very high-ranked players for a reason. But you also have to take into account that just because you get a high-rated high player, would you rather have those bragging rights for a few months, be able to stick out your chest and, and brag to a Texas or Oklahoma fan or, or whatever fan you're, you're bragging to, or would you rather have those players come in and compete? I'm not going to throw this player under the bus, but look at Isaiah Chambers. Yeah. He's transferred to Houston. And what did he come in as, guys? He came in as a That was a number, huge recruiting number, win. For yeah, no, number, he never played yeah, it down, really. Yeah, no, he was the number eight defensive end in the country, four-star guy, had offers from everywhere, and he couldn't crack into the top five at TCU. Now, it's unfortunate what ha- what's going on with his family and everything, and, and that might have something to do with him not being able to perform up to his ability. But we never really heard anything about Isaiah Chambers in almost the two years he was there. Same thing with Brandon Bowen. I mean, Brandon's been hurt the whole time. We don't even know what he's going to be able to do. But there's been players that, although TCU's not uh, getting some of these guys that like the Slade Boldens or Jamar Chases, I still think you're having some guys that are kind of the same kind of players that we're going to be talking about years from now. I know we're going to be talking about uh, surveillance hunt because all three of us saw him. All yeah. three of us saw what kind of plays oh, that kid yeah. was making. Just because that kid's not ranked – 
number 23 in the country or number six receiver like Jamar is, everyone's going to look at it as, oh, it's a letdown. But all three of us have seen, uh, Jeremiah, you and myself have both seen Chase up close. We've seen yeah. Hunt up close. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm not just saying this because he's committed to TCU. I would say I was building him up before he was even decommitted from Kansas. He's he's very similar in the way he runs routes. He's got great size, and he's got he's faster than Jamar. Now, if I I think if Hunt was kind of at those Nike camps or Under Armour camps, I think he would be getting the same kind of publicity that a lot of these other top elite receivers are getting. But that's what people need to look at the the bipolarism of the board, Jeff, as you mentioned it. Just, I know it's great to have those four star kids, and yeah, they're going to help out the program. But it's not it's not the end all. It's not about having the high-ranked kids, and that's what they have to win or have to receive to get into the championship game or in, into a, a playoff contention. It's, it's, not gonna, it's, it's not the end-all to, to lose out on some of those four-star recruits, like Jeremiah was saying. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, the bipolarism sometimes, Jeff, is very frustrating. <laughs> it is. It, I believe know, it. Can I give you a couple of guys that I, I think really, people really need to watch in this class? Um, go for it. Yeah. I, you know, I, obviously, the guys at the top of the class go without saying. But Esteban Avila is, is a guard that I think could be rated a lot higher. He's a big, strong kid. I'm telling you, this kid is all TCU. I mean, he loves the Horned Frogs, and he, he loves being a part of the, 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 the uh, class. And he's one of those guys that's going to come in and bust his tail. And he is in the ESPN top 300. He's a four star on ESPN. There you go. I mean, and and he's you know based off of the uh, you know the overall rankings when you know I, I feel like he should be higher than he is. But Esteban's one guy just to keep an eye on. But Darius Davis, he got a little bump in the rankings. Um, he's no longer the lowest rated TC recruit. He's he's just past Chris Dyke now. So uh, he's up to a 84 57 three star, but uh, five nine 160 pounds. Maybe the measurables don't jump off the page, but just watch his film. The kid is lightning quick, and he reminds me a little bit of Tejada. Um, kind of same size, same kind of feet, you know, real quick. He's one of those shuttle guys that's quick back and forth. The same way Jason – I'm not comparing him to Jason Barrett, but that's what caught my eye with Jason Barrett the very first time I ever watched him work out was how quick he was laterally, side to side. And Darius Davis has some of that in his game. So keep an eye on those kind of guys. And then, of course, Eddie Smith. He could play corner or safety and another guy that I feel like could be rated a little bit higher. Um, LSU's kind of keeping him warm right now. Uh, I think they've probably missed the boat on him because he, he loves the Frogs, and, and uh, it's, he's one of those guys that's going to come in and make an impact. You know, So like Jeremy said, like we talked about earlier, there's guys on here that may not be rated as high as some of the, the folks on the board like, but I'm telling you right now from top to bottom, this class is as solid as they've ever had, and that's you know, 17 kids committed before the season even starts. So I, I think this class, by the time they're done, they'll have between 22 and 25 kids committed, and they'll be a top 15 to 20 class. So that, there's nothing wrong with that kind of talent at all. And I'll say it, too. I mean, we, we were all three at that camp, and we saw – I love Slade Bolden. He's a great, great kid, really nice to, to all of us. And But if I'm watching him play receiver, they're, Hunt's better. And I've seen I've seen Henry in person twice, and Henry's the same kind of player. Tay Barber. Does that, does that does that just because they're not ranked as high and TCU didn't beat Alabama for him? Does that does that weigh less for Henry and and uh, Hunt? Is that is that less impactful for TCU to get? And I don't think so. I think people look too much at where these players go to. And who they lose out, who TCU loses out to, and that ha- that makes them have an effect on the players they get. We all talked about the momentum. Like I'm a momentum guy when a lot of commitments are happening. Momentum is is good momentum when you when you land football players. I know other people look at momentum as winning battles against the Alabamas or the LSU's and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great to talk about. Hey. That's great to stick your chest out to and brag a little bit. I get that stuff. But in the overall scheme of things, if you're trying to build a program, you're wanting to go to the guys that those coaches are evaluating the most, and they've got an offer just like the other kids do as well. It's not necessarily moving down the list. It's trying to go out and get the best player for your football team. So that's what fans 
not only on TCU's fan base, but fans across uh, the country. And some will never get it because all they see is the four and five star kids. And they hate it when they get a three star kid because they never put value into that kid. But for TCU fans, on guys on our board, there's a, there's a lot of fans that just look at those star rankings and think maybe these players will never work out. And if there's a place where players really go to work out and, and improve and exceed all kinds of expectations, it's TCU. And for this class, it's special. I like it. Yeah, I do too. I guess in closing, I would just say this. If Jeremiah's reference that we're, we're third in the Big 12 and have been for the last couple of years, I think that's excellent. We're, when you look at who we're battling, we are we are recruiting against LSU, against Alabama for Slade Bolden. We're recruiting against Oklahoma, and uh, we find ourselves recruiting against some of those other powerful teams around. You know who we're not recruiting against anymore? We're not recruiting against Baylor. Texas we're State. not recruiting against Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. We're not recruiting against K-State. We, we are the third best program in terms of recruiting in the Big 12. And, and, and everybody be, be below us is fighting for the players down the list a bit. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a kid on their, on their commitment list that I wouldn't take a look at. But we, we have gone into another stratosphere in terms of recruiting, and it's just an assumption now. And so, you know, I got a buddy of mine that's an Iowa State fan, and when Henry committed to us, he's like, oh, I, I wanted him, but, like, we're recruiting against TCU. There's no way we're going to get him. And they see themselves as recruiting against Tech and Oklahoma State and Baylor. And they don't see us in that sphere anymore. So it's it's kind of it's a gentle reminder that when you lose out to Alabama for somebody or LSU for somebody, that's or Florida. That's kind of how it goes sometimes. And those those teams lose out to, to other programs as well. But we're not fighting for the next uh, with, with the teams that are below us. And that that that's something we should be proud of. I guess that's the one thing. I guess that's what I would say. We should be proud of the fact that oh, we are ahead. Nail of, on the head. Yeah, yeah. you hit the nail on the head with that. That's it. You know. Those the days of battling Texas Tech for you know the leftovers in the state. That's just it's not there anymore. Uh, they, they like you said, it's another stratosphere, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, we leapfrog, no pun intended, over all of them in in a matter of two or three years. So yeah, people say there's no impact from the Peach Bowl. We're not recruiting against anybody below us. We're not, and so I think that that's where we got to recognize that. So. Hey, look at the numbers. Like Jeremiah said, top three in the Big 12 last three years. That's momentum. That's improvement. Yep. yep. And, and you know what? We may never catch Oklahoma or Texas in recruiting, but that still doesn't mean we can't continue to blow out Texas by double digits as we do. <laughs> and we always have a bar fight with Oklahoma. I mean, like Every we've year. come up on the short end of it, but, you know, I don't I don't have any problem with going to Norman and, and going blow to blow with, with Oklahoma. And so, you know, we're, we're primed. We're in a spot to continue to destroy Texas as we have. And I will say that boldly. And eventually we need to, we're going to be able to beat Oklahoma. So we're, we're doing just fine guys. Speaking of the big 12, the, 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 the national polls have come out in the last couple of weeks and uh, TC was not rated. We should go ahead and acknowledge that they're ranked 26th. So to speak in one poll, 28th in the other in terms of who's getting votes. But uh, you know, we got, we got the five, we have five teams. Half the big 12 is ranked. AP came out today. They, We've got OU, OSU, K-State, West Virginia, Texas, in that order in terms of who's ranked in the Big 12. First of all, real quick before we do a deep dive, does that does that make sense to you guys? Can you guys agree, disagree, Daniel, Jeremiah, Jeremy, of, of, of those five teams being ranked and in that order? Uh, not Texas, but yeah. It's all yeah. high for Texas right now, obviously. I mean, with Herman there, you know, they're going to get that hype. And I, and I understand that they're going to be better this year. But I, any way that you could justify putting them ahead of TCU, I, I don't. I thought TCU would be twenty three or twenty four, but this is complete. This is perfect, perfect billboard material for Patterson. It couldn't have played out any better. Just like the twenty fourteen team, you know, sitting just outside the top twenty five, just enough to have him, you know, another cattle prod that he can stick the team with, you know, and say, look, they don't think you're good enough, and and that's just. I, if you're asking Patterson, I promise you, he he likes where they're sitting right now. Okay. Yeah. I, I I think uh, I think they got it right. I would switch TCU and Texas. I think TCU just based on the fact that they've got as many returning starters and the fact that they've blown Texas out the last three years, just because they don't have all the, the high rated recruits on their team doesn't matter. What they've done on the field the last three years proves that they don't need those high rated recruits. Um, I would, but I do I do like Texas's uh, 
I, I do like where they're headed as a program. I think with Herman coming in there is going to do some big things for them. I would take issue with West Virginia. I don't think they need to be ranked. They had they had a good year last year, but I, I think they they're lost take, a lot. They lost a lot. I think they're going to take a couple steps back. And uh, contrary to what their uh, reasoned, rational fan base thinks, Will Greer is not Jesus. No. And so I think that I think they're going to have a hard time this year. And their their schedule flips this year, so they they've got to take some tough road trips. West Virginia is going to going to take it on the chin this season. And I don't even know if they'll go to a bowl. So I'll go out there and put that there. Real quick, guys, I want to I want to kind of kind of break uh, break the moment. If you think about those five teams of OU, OSU, Kansas State, West Virginia, and Texas, you can't talk about the Big Twelve without talking about Bucky's. You know, Bucky's is that great high society place that you stop on I thirty five, I forty five. And the upside of Bucky's is you can get just about anything. You can do all your Christmas shopping there. You can find your mother in law a very nice gift, a new koozie something like that you can get a six pack or a 12 pack of any beer you want to have as you're drinking it down driving down the road but if you just thought of these five teams that are ranked if you went into bucky's what one item best summarizes who this group of people is their fan base their team uh just what you think of when you think of their state jeremiah when you think of bucky's and you think of oklahoma what kind of comes to your mind and there could be a couple of things but uh Maybe like a nice little Bucky's belt buckle that you might see hanging on hanging there. Uh, I saw one of those today, and I, yeah, I could see an Oklahoma fan picking one of those up. <laughs> something to wear to church, you know, something nice and fancy. <laughs> Sunday best. That's right. Sunday best. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, sticking with Oklahoma, you got Oklahoma State, which is they're kind of the the lower class of the two schools. I know they would love to hear me say that. But when I think about going to, to Bucky's and going to Oklahoma State, I you know, I've seen them there where you got those hats that have the mullets that are just kind of sticking off the back of the hat. And I hear that those things are going like hotcakes. So if I'm ever at uh, Bucky's and I'm wanting to impersonate an Oklahoma State fan, I'd get one of those hats that has a mullet with the American flag on the front because there's nothing that goes with the flag of our country like a mullet. That's that's kind of what comes to my mind when I think about Bucky's is a you know who wants a faux mullet other than an Oklahoma State fan? <laughs> they want to look like their coach, so I mean that makes sense. Okay. I know, or, or maybe they sell rattlesnakes there. Maybe maybe that maybe I didn't know that. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think of when you think of K State and think of Bucky's? Oh gosh, do they do they sell those bandanas at Bucky's? Like those bandanas you could wrap around your neck when you're out there on the on the tractor plowing up your fields. Do they sell those? I, I'm sure they do. The upside of Bucky's is they have everything. Yeah, I, you know, I can't, I can't think of really like Kansas State's pretty, pretty darn awesome. Like I, yeah. I love that fan base, and Jeremiah will, he'll agree with me because when we went up there a yeah, couple years ago, incredible. that's probably my most favorite place to go for a road game. Honestly, guys, seriously, those, those guys, those fans were, and maybe it was the purple, just kind of made you feel like you're at TCU. But man, the fans were great. I don't know how they are in the stands, but as far as out in the parking lot, fans were great. The atmosphere is great. I really can't, like, I don't know, man. I don't have anything generic that I think Kansas State fans would have. I mean, plenty of beer. I mean, they were they were, they were gracious to, <laughs> to us walking by. But, yeah, that's a tough one for me, guys. Tough one. It's, it's tough. I can't really, I can't really uh, pinpoint that one. I was thinking, like, some Werther's because Bill Snyder's really old. <laughs> Yeah. See, I was going to go that route, Daniel, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to have some class for this guy. This oh, I know. I know. Well, I was going to say Geritol. I was thinking of some Rolades or some aspirin, something for, you know, just, you know, yeah. Stupid medicine, stupid medicine metaphor. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the, the, the fan base that, that it has their GED and is damn proud of it is, of course, West Virginia. So, Daniel, when you think of Bucky's in West Virginia, what 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 kind of comes to your mind when you walk in that amazing store that has everything? I'm I'm pretty sure that that you can find a coonskin cap in Bucky's <laughs> with the tail on the back and everything. And I mean, their own little mascot dude with the musket wears one, so it's perfect. And did you know what that got? You know what that guy always carries around at Big 12 Media Days? A no. gun. No, other than the gun. Beef jerky. Dude dude has beef jerky all the time. Oh, I can go for that. 
got, they've got a pretty good selection of beef jerky at Bucky's. They got a really nice selection. You're darn right, they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, what we should do then is we should get some big. Uh, we get, we should get some beef jerky and take it to him next year at Big Twelve Media Days. I think he would appreciate that. Uh, we're going to stop by on the way to OU or Oklahoma State this year and stop at that Bucky's right there off 114 and 35 and, and get us some for the road trip. Yeah, it's, that's pretty cool. I've been there a couple times. That's a good spot, man. Good spot. Being near South Lake kind of spices up the class of that place. So Across pretty good one from uh, the Speedway. Yeah, yeah so that, right. that classes it down. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Well, the last team that's ranked uh, – is University of Texas, of course. You know, I think they're in the in the top fifteen by bylaws, and they got an exemption just to be in the top twenty-five. But Texas is back, and when Texas is back, there's one thing you cannot keep on the shelf at Bucky's, and you know what that is, guys. T-shirts. 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 <laughs> so I am sure that if if uh you know if, if when Texas goes out there and is one and zero and is already getting uh, primed to be crowned national champions, that they will. Re- run out of t-shirts all along I-35 and I-45 in Bucky's. They'll have to call up China and get some 12-year-old to spend work an 18-hour day to print up more of those Longhorn t-shirts. Oh, no. So, they, those t-shirt fans are going to be out in full force if... No, 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 seriously. If Texas beats USC, do you realize that the Walmart and White Settlement might just go... You know, they might just get overrun with people going out there to get that t-shirt. Oh, you're well, talking about, Texas you're will talking jump about the top five, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. You talk about you talk about a bunch of people walking around like some peacocks last year after they beat Notre Dame. That Notre Dame oh, oh man. man, that bright orange was sticking out, boys. <laughs> it was. That it was orange, it? Sorry. And and then they went out to California and got beat by a Cal team that was so bad they fired Sonny Dykes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh well, first of all, uh, TC is very happy to have Sonny Dykes on their staff. Yes, they are. We are glad to have him. Of course they are. Yes. You great, know, I know great. you can get like a, a propane grill or a charcoal grill at Bucky's, but I wonder if you can get a grill for your teeth. Ooh. <laughs> now, if Houston, if Houston was in the Big 12, then I could see that would that would fit them. But uh, that, that, I'll never forget. Who, Herman always will be. Herman a, with the grill? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Herman with the grill. That's right. That's right. Paul Wall and and <laughs> yeah, he did whatever he had to do to put Houston on the map, and he parlayed that into the Texas job. So more power to the guy. Yeah, they're doing yeah. great on the recruiting trail. It's working. Oh, something is. They are. They're doing something. They're doing something right. So. Oh, guys, well, we've been going here for a while. Let's uh, let's let's kind of shift gears and wrap up here real quick. Jeremy, Jeremiah, anybody on the recruiting trail we should keep an eye on, especially. Especially this first month of the season as we're getting ready to kick off. Anybody on Commitment Watch? Anybody that maybe we haven't heard about that we might want to keep an eye on? Anybody that uh, Pinnacle is trapped down on, on track down on Twitter that none of us have heard of that's probably going to commit next week? Any, anybody anybody to keep an eye on is from you guys. Well, well I think you know, go, go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> My opinion is uh, you know, with, with them getting the season started – Recruiting not it hasn't necessarily taken a backseat, but it's kind of moved a little bit. Um, with the season going on, they want to get prepared with uh, Jackson State. They're obviously going to start looking uh, to prepare for Arkansas. But with with 17 commits right now, and whether or not they take 21 and a little bit more like we all expect them to take with so many seniors graduating, I think it's going to be uh, kind of a – wait and see approach they're not going to reach for recruits they're going to try to obviously go for some guys that are committed to other schools i, I still think they're going to go after jamar chase they're going to go after uh daryl simpson the guys that are committed elsewhere uh I, I think the new names that you might see pop up are guys that have been to their camps whether it be in louisiana whether it be in here in uh, tcu uh I, I really don't see foresee them extending offers to guys that we don't know of right now, but that could always change. They could go out and, and see some JUCO guys. I think um, the last few guys, they're going to kind of focus on some JUCO offensive linemen, maybe some JUCO defensive ends, guys that can come in and, and compete right away. And, and always they're going to look at some uh, safeties and corners and, and, and the guys that Gary Patterson always wants to recruit to make his defense better. But I think as far as recruiting, I don't expect a commitment to come real soon. I know Vernon Jackson is getting ready to announce pretty soon. It's going to be between Alabama, A&M, and, and TCU. But I think he's 
pretty heavily weighing toward Alabama right now. But, hey, crazier things have happened. Slade Bolden was crystal balled 100% at TCU a day before he committed to Alabama. So it's a funny thing about recruiting. You always just got to keep an eye on it. Yeah, I mean, guys like Deshaun Jameson don't commit until October. Terrace Marshall is going to be in December. So, um, you know, I was pretty much going to say what Jeremy said. You know, the season's kicking off. It's, it's not that it's taking a back seat. It's just with 17 kids already on board, they, they like what they have. Um, they're in, in the mix for some other guys, but they're not going to really push real hard, I don't think, right out of the gates. So you might see some new offers go out three, four games into the season after they've got a chance to get some tape on maybe, like Jeremy said, some guys they saw in camp. But uh, I kind of think the next, the first three or four weeks of the season might be kind of slow on the recruiting front. But that's okay. I mean, th- this is what you recruit for so that you can have a good football team. So I think that's where the coach's uh, attention is, and, and that's where it should be. And one of the things, too, uh, guys, is we, once you get the season started, it almost becomes not about – going out and getting more guys, it becomes as much about as hanging on to the guys you got because you actually want to go out there and everyone talks about, okay, well, if TCU goes 10-2, and two, then we'll be able to get these guys. Or if we go 12-0 or 11-1, it's always about if they go certain high expectation record. Now you got to worry about hanging on to a lot of these guys, and that, that becomes just as important to those coaches when they're out there uh, recruiting is uh, to make sure they have the good relationships, make sure they're – keeping in contact and making sure they're getting it done on the football field because it's real hard to hang on to kids if you're out there losing. And just that's just another testament to this class coming off a six and seven season. You've got the number 22 ranked class in the country, number three in the Big 12. So excellent job by the coaching staff at TCU to go out and reel those kids in. Now they got to hang on to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, this is recruiting and retainment when we uh, go out there and start winning some games here in a couple couple of weeks well we didn't have enough time to get to something i wanted to talk about we'll give it its own uh, slot maybe in our next show but the new book is coming out from mark schleyball uh called violated which i guess is kind of an inside story that they wrote um uh, forgive me i can't think of the other author's name uh, Lynn, uh woman that that wrote it with a uh, schleyball from uh espn it's called violated it's inside the story of baylor I'm actually going to buy it and I'm going to read it. And I'm really, I don't want to read it to just like doggone Baylor, though there's plenty of content there. I'm really curious to see what, um, when the other shoe is going to drop, because I don't think that this story is quite over yet. Um, real quick, I just want to put you on the spot here, uh, Jeremy. I, I, nobody other than Daniel has been uh, harder on Baylor, Baylor through this whole thing than, than I have. But I don't think I'm alone in thinking that Matt Rule is a good man. And I don't know if that he's ever going to go 11 and one in the Big 12, but I think he's going to restore the integrity of a university that at least has some alumni that want that. What is your take from recruits and from other people on Matt Rule? And do you think that uh, Baylor is at least shredding or shedding some of the the scar from this scandal on the recruiting trail? Yeah, obviously they're they're getting some some pretty decent players, so I think it's having some effect. Uh, you talk to guys around the state, high school coaches, and uh, college coaches and and just watching him talk at Big 12 Media Days, Matt Rule is a really really genuine guy. I mean, it's hard not to like that guy. Baylor did uh, an A plus job going out and getting him, and Coach Rule did a great job hiring some of the guys, uh, high school coaches from the state. I know Joey McGuire personally, and I'll tell you right now, Joey McGuire is someone players are going to run through a brick wall for. That guy is a very genuine coach. Loves to coach kids. Loves he's he's everything about family, and so that's one thing that if you look at the way they're recruiting now, they're kind of selling the family atmosphere too, and they're taking the the accusations head on. They're not trying to run away from it. Matt Rule set up there at Big Twelve Media Days and just took it head on, and he he actually got a lot of people just kind of praising him for the way he addressed the media and answered some of those tough questions. I mean, it, it was it was pretty impressive to be honest with you, but. I think they're moving in the right direction. They've got a pretty decent class. Uh, I don't know what exactly what it's ranked right now. I can pull it up and tell you. But I, I know they've gotten some quality players that TCU was in the hunt for. Kalen Barnes that had a TCU offer. He's one of the, the top receivers in the state as far as uh, speed-wise goes. He's probably the fastest kid in the state. Uh, Joshua Fleeks is a guy I saw at TCU's camp last summer. Uh, really, really good player out of Cedar Hill. I think he's going to do big things. Braylon Taylor's a guy that TCU wanted. 
out of Quero, Texas. So they're they're winning some battles against TCU now. Uh, it's it's not a, a lot of battles because most of their most of their commitment list didn't have an offer from TCU, but there's about three or four of them that did uh, have an offer from TCU that the frogs were kind of pursuing pretty heavily there for a little bit, but kind of maybe might a little back backed off a little bit toward the end before their commitment. But I think they're in the right they're moving in the right direction, just to be honest with you. And and uh, you know, like I said before, I think they did a an A plus job going out and getting a guy like Matt Rule. He's got a a long, hard job ahead of them, but I think he's got the uh, kind of integrity to take it head on and, and, and try to make them a successful program again. Jer- Jeremy, you said it, long, hard road. And I mean, just tonight, like less than 30 minutes ago, a story came out on the Star-Telegram that a new lawsuit alleges that Baylor's new policy, their new policy under rule, failed after sexual assault report in April. So mm. if you don't think everybody's watching this, I mean, these guys – could not have walked into a more difficult situation. And I'm with Jeremy. Matt Rule seems about as genuine a guy as there is. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look, unfortunately to me, I I hate to see a guy who's going to go through a lot. And with with this just coming out here tonight, um, it's just going to turn up the heat even more. He's going to have to deal with this all year long. I mean, the team is depleted and – a lot of people have lost a lot of hope in that university, and um, he's a great guy. I just don't know if he's going to be able to steer them out of this ditch because it's a pretty deep ditch right now. I will. I will say if he if he somehow has Baylor turned around and they're successful, there's going to be a lot of big programs coming after him. It, let's make no mistake. He 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 did Baylor a favor by taking that job. Baylor didn't do Matt Rule a favor by offering him the job. He did Baylor a favor by accepting that. So. It's not like he has this mentality of, oh, Baylor gave me a chance. I'm going to stick with them. You know, if he goes out and does a successful job at this place and the turmoil that it's going through right now, then I wouldn't expect him to be, be at Baylor for a long time because some big school is going to try to come in and snatch him up if he can make somehow make a success story out of what's going on in Waco. Yeah, I asked all that because I, I realized just reflecting on this that I loved to hate Baylor when they were sleazy and I just wanted to throw up when I realized they were criminal and there's just a big difference. I mean, like we all heard stories about steroids at Stephenville and steroids in Baylor and you know, they paid some kids and dumb things. Kendall Bryle said, I liked hating Baylor when it was obvious that they were sleazy and they were our rivals, but it just, it, it just turned a corner into just like total depravity. I mean, like what was going on there is, is, is criminal. And, and I, and, it, it's awful, and it's the worst of the worst in terms of sexual assault. There's, there's, I, other than murder, I don't know a whole lot worse than that. And so, so I, I really actually do hope for the good of the school that they're able to kind of pull out of this and that Rule is able to offer them. I don't care if they ever win another game, but I do hope that they get their integrity back. And it looks like they're still stumbling from what Jeremiah said. I saw that story. So we'll see what happens going forward. Um, I said I didn't want to spend any time on it, and we got rolling, and I talked even more. So we'll give. I'm going to read that book that's the bottom line i'm gonna read that book and uh we'll go from there uh they still have those bum regents so i don't see a whole lot happening <laughs> university-wide those guys are creeps man they need to clean house and they haven't done it yet so top to bottom so yeah maybe the football team gets a little better but you know overall all those guys that reagan ramzo or whatever his name is uh they they gotta go before anything's gonna be <clears throat> you know university-wide cleaned up those man, some of those quotes from the from their regents were were just outright disgusting. <laughs> Perverted little tarts. Yeah. Oh god. Ridiculous. Is it, yeah. Is this, for, is this from the most recent story, fellas? No, this was a couple months. You can't keep track of it all. Just go to the 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 Baylor thread and go to page like eighty seven. It'll, no, it'll all be on. I think that was <laughs> I think that was Buddy Jones that said that. Yeah, I think it was Buddy Jones that said okay. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah stuff to keep up with all these quotes and every accusation that's, that's going on. That's reason enough to buy the book because they got it all organized. That's right. Yeah. It's just going to be like reading one gigantic affidavit, it sounds like. Probably. Well, the, the thing I do that I, I did read about it was that it's 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 not only about the football team. And it's it's not limited to the football team, but it's it's the issue of the university. And, you know, it's one thing to say that we have, oh, you have a university with a rogue you know, assistant coach that covers up. It sounds like 
this was top to bottom, which all the more reason to want to know why in the world Ian McCall is the head coach, at, I mean, the, the AD at a, at a religious school, gets, gets to go to another religious school. I think that's disgusting between you and me. So yeah, I cannot I think, believe I think that. they're scumbags, too. I, liberty. I, I agree, liberty. man. I, I completely agree. As a Christian, I completely agree. I think that's a, that's kind of sick. So anyway, on that positive note, guys, this is where we're going to, we're going to wrap up. Um, this is a good show. I enjoy, enjoyed as always talking with us about this. We're moving towards uh, the regular season. We're going to be on here every week talking about the frogs, talking about what's going on in the big 12. If you haven't done it yet, please, please go to iTunes and subscribe to us. We would love for you to get this, this podcast downloaded the minute that we get it posted. So it'll be delivered right to your phone, to your iPad. We're on, we're on iTunes. We're on Google play. We would love for you to follow us on Twitter at the Frogcast TCU. We also would, you find us on Facebook. And if you're not a member of Horn Frog Blitz, I don't know what you're waiting on. Everything that we talked about here tonight gets hashed over every day on Horn Frog Blitz. We would love for you to join our site. You can be a part of the, the best TCU community in terms of inside content in high, com- high conversation that goes a long way to getting you an inside track of what's going on at TCU. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And if you haven't given us a rating yet, go do that. I'd love for you to rate us on, on iTunes. All the five-star ratings we can get. And stars don't matter except for the rating of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so for Daniel, for Jeremy, and for Jeremiah, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.